Yo, entrepreneurs! thanks for tuning into the podcast. This is the place to help you start and build a disruptive brand and impact the universe. You're locked into the grind where we give you the inside track, the what goes on behind the scenes while we start our new business. Hopefully you'll learn what it takes to launch a successful brand as we share our learnings with you. I'm Matt Thorne, aka Sketchy Media. I'm Phil Kemish, aka Phil Kemish. And I'm Nish Solanke, just Nish Solanke. On this week's episode, we are talking all things branding. We're going to delve into brand archetypes, brand storytelling, how you get those visuals popping. And how your logo is just an empty box unless you put some meaningful shit in it. Let's jump right into it. Ready? Born ready. Yes, people, we are back in the fiery hot seats of doom, of excitement. I can feel the heat protruding up through the legs of these chairs and into this podcast environment. I don't know what I'm saying here, but yeah, we're on episode nine. Have we, just, have we are, confirmed that? Sketchy? We, uh, it is nine. It is nine. Don't you think that's quite a big achievement? Nine already. It will be at Weekly. ten. Yeah, when we get to double figures, mate. Oh, okay. Yeah, we need to each. And obviously, figures. it's not nine in total. It's uh, like. Oh, yeah, there's more than there's that. more than nine, but this is the grind. So, the grind so number if, nine. So, if you are a hardcore fan, thank you for tuning in every week, listening to our our voices, especially the voice of Nish. I call him the voice of God. Give us some Nish. What shall I say? Just a bit of bass. Bit of bass. I, I, you know what? That's one thing you've been saying a lot this week is uh, my voice on the podcast is getting some good comments and some good feedback. I, I've had feedback from girls saying, who's this niche guy? His voice is incredible. <laughs> I've said, have you seen him in video? We say, no, we cut him out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> His voice, voice for radio. Yeah. But you uh, are ex-radio, so this is why you should, this is, this is your thing, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, look, I'm getting emotional hearing that lovely feedback from, uh, from people. Do you know what I will say in terms Have of Have you put feedback, it on your Tinder profile yet? Not yet. I'm not, I'm quite, a, I'm a I'm not quite at that point yet where I'm on the Tinders yet. Your, your Tinder pic should actually be a picture of you at the mic. I've got that, that will literally kill it. That's a good That will show. kill it, Nish, come on. I, I don't need to draw upon the uh, Jay Sean lookalike. No, no, anymore. no, 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 you're better than that now. Better than that. You're better. You're as equal. Do you know? I will say on feedback though, the deck, the deck stuff that we put out the other week, got a lot of good responses. Yeah. I found some people that have even raised money, which I'm I can only assume they've done a deck before, were messaging me asking me for the deck, and I was like, huh, that's weird. So yeah, we, if you didn't need to up you, that deck game, <laughs> this is your first time listening. We gave away our secret source deck format for getting your pitch idea or your new business down. And it did have a good response. It was really, it was really cool. Got to uh, put the uh, keynote template up, by the way. Oh, yeah, keynote template and a download. But if you just go to the Branchpreneur website, you can find it. You can download it. You can use it. Give us some feedback on whether you think it's any good. What I want to see is someone else's deck in that format. If you so, if you've done it, if you've actually created a deck around our like the format we put down, I'd love to see it. I think we should have a deck 101 where people send us some decks and we just then go through them on the show. Which right. deck do. reviews? We'll review your deck. Yeah, yeah, I think so. That'd be really cool. I mean, people always ask me like to have a look at through their stuff, and I find it really enjoyable to see how other people have like putting an idea down because it's really difficult. But um, yeah, things have moved on quite from that deck as well, right? So I mean, we had another random round of feedback on the deck yesterday, actually. Which was? Yeah, we went to go and see Redim. No, we, no, no. Who? The uh, Angel Investment Network. Oh yeah, yeah, we did. We had yeah. So we've been sending that out, meeting people through it. 
and it's been we've had quite good feedback generally positive we have had a few ups and downs which you can uh, watch on the the documentary when it comes out of people giving us the, the criticism I've never seen Matt get criticised in the meeting, which was great. No, not 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 in a bad way, but some some people made some design some design elements. I'm pretty sure he didn't know that Matt was designing it, so I was sat there watching <laughs> Matt just go, okay. And then um, it's fine. I let I don't take on non-designers feedback. <laughs> was it at all valid? I, I yeah, actually think it was. Were. No, there, I think there were some good pointers. Yeah, there were some good sure. and we made the changes. So you know, you got to. But um, yeah, Angel Investment Network. We 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 sent the deck to them. Obviously, we're looking to raise some money, and they see a lot of potential uh, businesses that they're going to invest in and show to their angel network and he really loved it he said it was you know he, he said the it really got the idea across the brand was great again we're always going to be strong in that in that in that element mm-hmm. i think the bit that we've got to work on more now is to get in the the number side and that's that's going to be the next few weeks of getting the numbers together before we raise the money the idea is solid but that's solid but that's not to say that uh, like the branding and everything that stuff that you guys are comfortable with and that we all are comfortable with shouldn't we should that's what we've been working on well if anything it's like really difficult when we're in this startup mode we're in and you know phil and i've always been in this position where we're able to do a lot of things ourselves and obviously with my skill set being a designer being able to design the logo and do all of those things is obviously really advantageous to us because one we get to evolve it and keep moving it along and don't have the pressure of having to work for an agency or outsourcing it and dealing with that. We do it in-house. But also the challenge it's been, from my point of view, is obviously where we're trying to build a business, get things off the ground, do numbers, financials, solidify concepts and things. It's hard to, for me as a designer, as someone that would normally work with clients in this process or have done previously, be able to do that for ourselves. I don't get to put the same rigor in the process. So you find that the brand is like, half done always and I suppose last week was the first time we kind of sat down and dedicated some time to looking at the brand and not necessarily just from a design point of view obviously there was like really a whole communication hierarchy that we hadn't figured out that is so key isn't it because yeah, you mate, so think key. a lot of it is like the design the look the logo like campaign ideas that we might have but actually behind it is a list of comms. How do we talk? Yeah. Tone of voice. Like, what do we stand for? How we does that hadn't come established f- it. We had ideas, right? And like you've seen, you've been through some of the copy and you've been across that process. Like last week when we were putting the website together and we were like, okay, well, how do we make this sell to customers? We were like, fuck. We've literally got none of this comms in place. All yeah. the stuff we had written just didn't work, didn't communicate the idea, was too waffly, and we had a real big shock yeah. last week, if I'm honest. Well, that's, you saw us, we yeah. were sat out there, like, literally pulling our hair out, going, shit, we haven't, we haven't buttoned this yeah. down. I guess there's two ways you communicate a brand. There's one, how you communicate internally, or to, like, business, and there's one way you want to speak to a potential customer. Sometimes they're different. Actually, all the time, there's going to be potentially two. What you've got to try and do, and what we're trying to do now, is how do you get, like, to a middle ground where, like, the customer understands it and so does a potential investor because sometimes those are different ways of communicating. Yeah. And that's what we've been, we've done a lot of work on like what the brand meant to us potentially in terms and of- And explaining, And right? explaining, but we hadn't done any of it for the other side. How do you, because you, you've seen the progress, Nish, what did you think about, where, where, what do you think about where it's at now versus where it was a week ago? I think, you know, when I look back at that Friday session that we had, that was like a breakthrough moment. Yeah. That was the first workshop session we did, yeah? Yeah. I think on the on the brand- and also, it's worth pointing out why it came about. We um, we were looking at... So this one thing that everybody's been feeding back from the podcast and the videos is we don't actually know what Reeboxed is just yet. 
And we think we've covered this off. Obviously, we're in this every day and we talk about a lot of stuff. And, it, and to us, we were like, yeah, we've covered it off in the podcast. We said a bit here. But we realized we perhaps hasn't just said, the, here's the one thing it was. And we were like, oh, let's create an explainer video. Yeah. Oh, boy, did it unravel then. Yeah. Tried to put an explainer video together and go, shit, we've got no comms to put in the explainer video. So we had to rewrite that based on And it's almost the like explainer. we need to get like a playbook in order, don't we? And that's yeah. almost like, there's a lot of ideas in our heads, certainly with you guys, like you, you kind of have an understanding of tonally it needs to be cultural, needs to be this, but actually like, what is it? And, how, and that moment when you're challenged to reflect it on a website when we launch, that's the case again, okay, we really need to nub this yeah. down and actually have a better understanding well, of it. That's, I think that's exactly what Matt said there. Like we had, we've been living and breathing this since we came up with the name and the idea that fundamentally it's inside of us. And because we don't outwardly project it all the time, or it's not like, you know, the website's not, we're not doing the like, comms, we're not selling at the moment. It's like, we had to get it out of us. It's almost like birthing. Like we talked about this, like kind of an analogy of like you're having a baby and, and having a business is almost like you spend nine months working on it and then it's out in the world. And we're still in that process of just the DNA side. Like we talk about this from a toolkit or a playbook, you can name whatever you want, but in our experience of working with loads of brands from a marketing point of view, the brands that are good, I'm going to call out Absolute here because we work with them. The toolkits and the branding, what the brand stands for, the manifestos, the values, the beliefs, the way they operate outwardly across the globe is only done because they've got that core. Yeah, just break you know? that down in terms of like, what were the assets that they had? Like how, how descriptive was that stuff? Well, Mate, they have, yeah. they have everything. They have like... They have brand guidelines, obviously, from their hero brand, which is like who we are, who we stand for, who our customers are. They have like tone of voice. They have literally a whole suite for everything. And then each of the individual brands break down. So like when we worked, Yeah, when we worked on, that will break down again. So we yeah. worked on um, Absolute Extract, which was kind of like a shot drink they, they've released. Cardamom infused, if you want to go and look at it and try it out. Very nice. Um, but that had its own toolkit, which we worked on. So like, it's not just the overarching brand. It's every single product they release. And they all feed in as and well. And it will have a moment. Sometimes they'll do stuff around pride. And it will be, you know, multicolored rainbow bottle. That What was the one that you worked on with the, 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 the signs? The, uh, they took the ink. Oh, the drop. Was the, it absolute drop? Yeah. God, I can't Basically, they took, drop the, of they took the ink out of hate signs like from protests and graffiti and stuff. graffiti they took the ink from it <laughs> repackaged that and then made it into like the text the, on the bottle the text on the bottle yeah i mean that's a level of like high concept thinking on like they're going look we're going to turn love a uh, hate into love yeah. and it's like their overarching thing is about connecting people and, and, and this is an article and on the website yeah, this yeah, is an article yeah this is an article on the website that matt wrote which i think is brilliant and i just think you know when we've we've seen brands on that level and we've probably looked at it and gone you know, when we get the opportunity to build our own brand again, this has to be something that we put in place from the beginning because it's very hard to do your marketing or to communicate your brand unless you understand yourself, what you stand for, what your values are. And even into the point of, from a design point of view, why you use the colors, yeah, exactly. how do you communicate the passion of the brand? Like it's, it's really, really deep. And I think it's, it takes a lot. And we, we've not, it's an evolving, evolving, you know. We've, we're basically building a suite, right? So we're going to yeah. have, the, the brand DNA, which is like who we are, what we stand for. That's just like an overarching uh, document around the mission. So if you like pick that up, you'd understand who we are, you know, what we're trying to do, all that sort of stuff. Then we'll have a brand guideline doc, which is like, here's our logo, here's our colors, 
Here's how we use it and why. That's that's another doc. Then we're going to have uh, a comms doc, which is like, here's the lines that we use. And that's probably the same as the tone of voice. We'd, I'd be tempted to split them, but actually they'll probably just roll into one. And it's just, here's how we talk. Here's what we sound like on social. Here's what we sound like when we... You know, when we're talking on our website, here's what our documents sound like. Mm. Is it humorous? Is it informative? Like, you know, you go really deep. And, and again, like that's, that's quite hard to, but it gives you a guideline. Yeah. And and we're, is, we're still establishing that as well. I think that's really important is we haven't got all the answers yet. And part of last week was about Phil and I going back into ourselves and going, you know, what is it that we're standing for here? How do we communicate why we're starting this in a way? Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to Bluehost.com Wondersuite. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase that makes it other people be able to buy it and we had this big chat about price versus product and promise right we were stuck in this thing where at first we were talking about price oh it's 40 percent, it's cheaper and we were like that's not what we did like we can't be talking about price that's not not where we see it we need to be talking about our purpose in our marketing not our price obviously price is a benefit and that, what was the line we come up with you know it's uh good for good for you, better for the planet. That's the, yeah. the working thing that we're, we're working with at the moment. But then we've got all these other comms, like we were talking about <clears throat> what it's like when you uh, when you get a phone that's just been fixed, if it's broken. And we came up with the Dizzy Lyric, which is like fixed up, look sharp. It's like that's starting to give you a flavor of what we think we're going to, how our brand is going to live and breathe, like how it's going to sound. And we haven't got it, but we we came a long way last week in terms of nailing what that f- sounds and feels like. Yeah, and I really think we should go deep into like what that day looked like and some of the things that we were discussing as a team, which included Ellis and Joseph as well, which is really good. But the um, it goes back to the analogy that you were talking about, which is you can definitely create it, but at some point it's going to have to grow and live on itself, right? 100%. I mean, that's, that's the thing, the beauty of a brand is that once you let it out to the world and you communicate it, people build a relationship with it and the relationship they build with it will be its own thing, you know? Beats by Dre, great example. I'm sure Jimmy, and if you watch the documentary, Jimmy and Dre had a real understanding of what the brand stood for. But when they put it out and then sports people started wearing it, it went into sports world. Like it just, it went culturally, it made a movement, you know? I'm not sure they even expected it to go how quickly it went. But I do 100% understand that from both being good marketing guys, that that was planned. And we've seen a Beats by Dre deck. So we know how well the comms align, the pillars they stand for, the way they communicate. It is deep. Like that, uh, out of all the brands that I've worked on, it was one of the best yeah, decks that, I've, well, that, I've, that I've ever seen. So I think between those two brands, and you know, obviously our ambition is to like learn from these brands. These brands are global brands that everybody knows, but it's not done by fluke. They understand how to make a brand live. 
what so many people get wrong is they think that the logo is the brand. They think by designing a really nice logo, they've got a brand when really they haven't. They've just got a mark or an image. A logo is an empty box, right? It's an empty box. There's nothing. When you get that from the designer or whoever makes that logo for you, it's just an empty box. It's up to you as people who lead the business or lead the brand to fill it with the values and the essence of what you want to create because that's when it becomes a brand. It's what gets filled up in that box becomes the brand. And like you said with... Jimmy and those guys, it's what they did with the sports, what they did in music, it's what they did in culture, which gave that logo meaning. So now when you see that little B logo on the headphone and you go, that's Beats by Dre, you're not going, oh, that's a logo, because it's not yeah. like an amazing logo, but what yeah. it does have is it has a load of yeah. sentiment and yeah. And values. values, yeah. And I think the value is really important because if I remember when I first saw Beats, if I saw somebody else wearing a pair of 200 pound headphones, I didn't think you mug, you paid 200. I thought you appreciate the quality of music. Yeah. That, regardless of how good the actual things are because you know I'm not obviously say people self-identify with brands right it's yeah, like yeah. oh the beer is expensive if I wear that I look cool I'm like obviously that is the residual impact that brands have but ultimately it's you have to fill that box up to give yeah. it to make somebody want to spend yeah. 200 uh, uh, on a head, pair of yeah. headphones you need to give them a reason to and there's, there's a stat from, from Jimmy's book which I love which I use in a talk I'm going to try and remember the top of my head but it's pretty much that they they sold 500 million pound worth of headphones without doing any marketing. That's how good the brand traveled without through word of spend. mouth without any ad spend. That's it. So ad spend is in traditional ad. It was word of mouth. It was being hacky with culture and giving headphones out for free influencer stuff very early on doing it through their network, which obviously had a big advantage, but to sell that many headphones without doing any traditional advertising just shows how good the brand traveled i think you had a really good example matt um which was the uber one which you said when uber came along there was a load of other rideshare apps that were kind of competing in that space at that time but yeah i but think the, you made that the, yeah we were talking the about this yesterday it was yeah. like people look at uber as like the big disruptor the big innovator oh they created an app but actually that technology did exist right there was apps like halo that were were doing this it the technology wasn't the thing that disrupted it and we've been speaking a lot recently to obviously people we're talking about with our business which is like what makes you unique and what's what's the thing what's your moat what makes you you know what how can you defend your position with this what's your moat around you that stops other people getting at you and what phil and i are hedging our bets on is brand because that's what we know how to build but going back to the uber thing what they did was they built a brand they were coming they were turning up you were booking a cab and they were turning up in c-class mercedes-benz water in the back of the car and as a customer for £10, which is was really cheap, depending on where you're going, obviously, turning up and driving around in a, a C-Class Mercedes and having bottles of water was an experience unlike any other. So they created a brand and a perception, and it was like, oh, let's get an Uber, because it made you feel good, right? Yeah, and I, and I think that's the big thing. And it's even one of the, the conversation pieces we were talking about on that Friday when we were doing the workshop, which is it becomes a lifestyle choice. That's it, it yeah. It, like, yeah. it's less about it just being a product, but it's actually... And now it's that's how we're thinking about Reeboks. We need Reeboxed to be a lifestyle choice for two reasons. One, because if you make it a lifestyle choice, you positively impact your planet and obviously pick up the benefits of price discounts, whatever that is. But you're making a conscious choice to, to do this. And by doing that, you feel better about yourself and you feel better about the world around you. We need people to rethink the way that they feel. We need to make people feel differently about refurbished tech. 
And secondhand in general. And secondhand in general. We need to break the stigma. It's happening in fashion. We need to do it with technology. And we realize that that is a mammoth challenge because, and you know what? There are going to be people that just want brand new products. And I will be guilty of that myself sometimes. You know, sometimes I will buy the the latest product, but other times now I realize that it's completely fine to, to buy refurbished. And that's the choices we need people to understand and to make. We have to change behavior with our brand. And I think if you look at good brands, let's use Uber as an example, that changed behavior. Who would have said 10 years ago, you're going to get into a car with a random stranger and maybe pick up some more random strangers on the way. Yeah, like, absolutely. That completely changed behavior. You're going to go and sleep in someone's it's bed couch. on Airbnb, like in a random country in a spare room. Who cares? Like the way that sharing economy has changed perception, the way that like, I believe that marketing and brands can impact the way that we behave as humans is the incredible thing here. Yeah. Brands are just relationship you have relationships with certain brands they're vehicles to have relationships and you know I think the one challenge and the one thing that we've always talked about with Reeboks was yeah we're creating a brand and a new business but actually if we can change the perceptions the attitudes towards refurbished technology towards second hand towards people thinking consciously about their consumerism that's going to be a bigger impact than something I'm probably prouder of yeah yeah so that's the brand we've got to create but also like how do you get to that point so when I look at the, the the stuff that we were talking about, like we were going pretty deep into the personality of the brand, like the archetypes. And yeah, that was a new one, wasn't it? That's a, yeah. That was a fun one for a few people in the room. But that was one thing we discovered only recently, probably like two years ago. Oh, really? No, it wasn't like a one that, it, it, I don't even know where it came from. I'm trying to think. There was there was a workshop that we did with a brand and they came up with a personality test. And me and Matt quite love personality tests. If you've never done 16 personalities, go and do it. See what type of personality you are. But we were like, a brand has a personality. Most brands will, you know, you think, Think about a brand there's values belief you know all that stuff is just a person so this archetype thing which is basically there's like 12 archetypes that a brand can be can you name them all <laughs> no i haven't got a clue the hero i know the hero the hero the sage the we'll get magician up. let's get them up so if you look at up 12 uh, the archetype brand archetypes i think if you haven't done this for your brand it's a really good exercise it's a really good way of being able to kind of learn so to let's communicate go, let's go for it so there's 12 brand archetypes i got that right yes yeah <laughs> <clears throat> so that's 12 basic identities which uh, a brand can form. And the reason is, obviously, from a brand point of view, you need to relate to a set of people. You can't relate to everybody. So the whole idea behind brand archetypes is being a personality so you can stand for a group of individuals so that they can tribe and rally around your brand. Everybody wants to be at the Apple. Everybody wants cues outside their store. They want that connection with their customers. And from... My point of view, brand archetypes is the perfect place to start because it really helps you think about who your customer is yeah. and who you want your customer to be. Yeah. You know, that might not, not to say that the demographics could be wrong and, oh, I want young people, not old people. This is, what is the type of person that would love your brand? And obviously we were doing this exercise. There's 12. So there's the magician, the ones that makes dreams come true. Give an so example. Like yeah. Disney World, for example, yeah, yeah, I, I'd cool. say would be one. Yeah. Um, the sage is a brand that's always seeking the truth. So wisdom is the key to success. Everything else is secondary to the pursuit of knowledge. Harvard University is a sage, apparently. Who else would be? Wikipedia? I've seen one here that yeah. says Audi. His class is a sage. Yeah, I mean, that's good because obviously they do a lot of uh, education around exactly. doing something amazing with technology. The innocent just wants to be happy. I haven't got any examples with, with this thing I'm Dove. reading here. Oh, so, okay, you do examples, cool. Nish. So Innocent, a brand that will never guilt you to try and convince or convince you excessively. Instead, an innocent brand will charm you to something more powerful. Yeah. Does Dove work for that one? Yeah, I, I think so. it does. Yeah. The Outlaw, 
the, yes. the Seekers of Revolution. Now, this was ours. This was our first one that we came with. The Outlaw Isn't Afraid, where the innocent touches the part of you that loved snack time in kindergarten. The Outlaw archetype appeals to the part of you that cut classes in high school. You know, we're not afraid to go against the grain, not afraid to challenge and do something bigger. Apparently, Apple's a uh, outlaw. I'd kind of agree with that. Virgin. Virgin, yeah, that's a good one. They will always. I push, think that's a really interesting one, just quickly, because Richard Branson obviously fronts a lot of that brand as the kind of like face as well as yeah, the brand. It's a really interesting like mix of personality and brand. Doesn't happen that often. Steve Jobs and Apple. There's not that many, but yeah, really true. the founder is the kind of the the brand they in a way. Set the tone. Yeah. Set the tone. So that's a really interesting example. That's why we swear in the podcast. <laughs> Fuck yeah, we're outlaws. <laughs> Fuck the podcast system. <laughs> Sorry, mum. So number five, the jester who lives in the moment. Humor, silliness, and nonsense. I suppose Skittles. Skittles. A good one. Old Spice doesn't yeah, take itself too, too seriously. Yeah. yeah, it's a good version. Brands like that. Six is the lover. The lover makes hey, you theirs. The lover. Fashion, pleasure, it's and a lot of fashion brands. I imagine would be in that, right? Godiva chocolate. Yeah, it's those kind kind yeah, of brands, yeah, yeah. higher end. Like Victoria's packaging. Secrets. That's another one. Probably yeah. a cologne, perfumey type stuff as well. They're always provocative ads, Chanel, aren't they? That sort of stuff. Yeah. The Explorer. The Explorer breaks free. Patagonia probably enters into that realm. Patagonia, North Face. They're they're all part of that. The ruler who wants absolute power. The ruler is a gatekeeper. Perception and high quality is expensive and it's critical. So product categories that fall under this umbrella include jewellery and high-end watches. American yeah, Express. Benz. American yeah. Express. Yeah, anything high-end and luxury. That's interesting. Interesting. The caregiver. The caregiver nurtures you. The caregiver builds... Caregiver brands build trust. It's rare to see a caregiver brand run an ad that takes a shot at their competition. That's interesting. It's interesting when you think about, and what I like about the brand personality is you can define what you do and don't do as a brand by the type of personality you pick. Yeah. It kind of creates boundaries, doesn't it? It does create boundaries. It does. It's really good. Or no boundaries if you're the rebel. <laughs> yeah, sure. But, no, right. but, but definitely, definitely it works. Is that so all of Johnson, them? Johnson's a good example here. A family company, obviously quite vanilla. Heinz I've got here. Heinz yep. a caregiver. Yeah. Interesting. Did you like, did you, speaking of branding, have you seen the new Heinz bottles with uh, Ed, Ed Sheeran? On Ed Shop. Yeah, yeah, really good advert as well. Funny. R really good. But you know, he just reached out to him. Oh, is that how it happened? Yeah, apparently. I don't know the full ins and outs of the story, but yeah, it's super interesting. But clever. And what I'm saying, that's a really clever partnership. A little tomato with Ed's glasses and hair on it. The last two, the regular guy girl, kind of like the, the girl next door. Give me an example for that. PG Tips. Yeah, good. Like that one. And the creator. The creator craves perfection. Lego has to be the creator. Do we think Apple delves into that as well? Well, I think this is the thing we talked about is that it's very hard. It's very right? hard to, you know, you go through that and you want, I want to be this one, this one. And actually me and Matt have always based on a primary and secondary. We've always found it very hard to pick so you just pick one. two? Yeah, we, uh, we, I would pick two. Personally, I think even in reading at the end of this article here, it's really hard to define one and just be that. So I think most people, even if you look at humans, their personalities will be somewhat spread across two different yeah. types of personality. But you have a primary and secondary. So yeah. ours was the outlaw and then the hero. That was our mix. You yeah, know? and like how we got there was quite fun because we all had to read through, yeah, pick the two, and we all had to drop it in the WhatsApp group at the same time. Uh, yeah. And I remember both of you just going, we know we're going to pick the same one. <laughs> <laughs> 
And yeah, it was literally like, we all were pretty much there with the, like there was definitely one that was consistent between all of us, right? That, that's a good exercise for me because it, you know, even uh, Joe and Ellis, who's in the room here, and you, Nish, knowing, knowing you've been around us for a few weeks now and obviously we're talking about Reeboks and the brand. So for us to all do this exercise and you guys to know instinctively that without even knowing anything about what a brand personality test was a good sign for me because it feels like we've started building the brand in the right way from the ground up without having all the things in place as well. And what's interesting is if you, if you go deeper into this, there's a lot of colors and things that are related to each of the kind of like different personalities. So I think it's a really good place to start once you kind of got a name is, is to do this exercise. We've left this quite late because I think naturally we kind of knew, which is why we did the test. But as we're going through this process, it's about that's where you start. And then you start building on top of that because you get your outlaw. If you're the outlaw, then maybe it fixed up, look sharp as part of your comms. It's not going to be buy a refurbished phone. It's like so the way we. So talk. where did we end up? So we ended up with the two being the outlaw and, and the hero. And the hero yeah. were the two, right? So we're going to kick down the doors and break the boundaries, but also we're going to be your savior. Like Robin Hood. Yeah. We're like, like the Robin, Robin Hoods. Hood. And that's a term we've actually used <laughs> in yeah. the beginning. Yeah. Like when we when we were thinking about even what our, our next brand yeah. is, we were thinking about the types of people we so are. This is even the past that we iterations wanted. of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah before, before yeah, it was yeah. even called Reeboks, we were like, what do we want to do next? We knew that the next business we went in there had to have some sort of purpose and impact in the world. Yeah. In so the universe. So, so we're, if we're Robin Hood, then it makes you little John. <laughs> <laughs> Which little and, and, the, the, and the Merry Men. Yeah. The Merry Men, is that what they're called? Robin Hood? I think so. I, men in tights. Men in tights. <laughs> We're men. We're men in tights. I've got skinny jeans, but for me, when I think of Little John, I think of the rapper Little John. So, yeah. Well, that would be great. Okay. <laughs> That'd be a great partnership. Let's bring, bring him back. It's a great what? That's actually a really, it's a really good one. From the window <laughs> to the wall. Yeah, let's do that. Smashing yeah. phones. Yeah, yeah, yeah smashing phones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So that would be, that is good, it's a good, good exercise, Nish. Yeah, is. and I think also like uh, that then really started to define the campaign ideas that we have and then it's going to now start bleeding to that stage of when we go to try and shift some of the stock that we're having and using our expertise as marketers to shift that. It really starts to define what that campaign begins to look like. Yeah, the, cam like. the campaign and also one of the things that we did just yesterday is I went and going, we went and sat down with... The good old Redim, Redim Melanic, who's a awesome kind of art director, creative director, has done some fantastic illustration stuff. Got a couple of his books over there. He's been someone that I've known about since I was at uni, uh, studying design, someone I looked up to with an impressive portfolio. So one, personally, it was just great to sit down. Obviously, Phil's had... Um, did your first ever Fortune logo, I think. He did uh, my first ever band day. logo when I was 18. Oh, really? So it's so weird. Like that's you, You're talking like 18 years ago. And then when I, when I met Matt, I was talking about, oh, I'm going to go to this guy's book thing. And he was like, Redim, right, you, you know Redim. <laughs> and it was so weird because obviously like, I didn't, I always just knew Redim as like this designer guy from Southampton who now has done incredible things. Got three books, designed like brands like from O2 Global, like drink brands. Just an awesome stuff. Just, and, yeah, and have it a works just fantastic. And one of the things for me was like sitting down with him and exploring, kind of giving him the perimeters of where we've got to with our brand, like what we stand for and stuff, which he really liked. And we were just having like a really cool brainstorm session about how we could bring this to life in a visual sense that's different. So I've now started getting into that space where we're thinking about the creative execution. Obviously I've done the logo, I've done some very lean branding, which 
was always a stopgap to bigger things, but I'm really starting to see how this is going to come to life. And hopefully in the next couple of weeks, we'll start having some real high quality output for, for the brand that really just solidifies the vision and makes the whole thing look unique and, and have the identity on its own. Obviously, identity is a big part of the brand and that's something that I'll be developing. Well, that's what the DNA is. The DNA is the identity. And that's kind of where we've got to now, which is most, I don't know if everyone thinks like this, but definitely like, if you're starting any brand, like trying to figure out what your brand identity is, and that's a big word in it. As a human, as a human, what's your identity? No, it is everything that it it takes as a human. Like it is, from a visual identity, what you wear, how you talk, who you hang around with, your values as a human. It's exactly like, just replace the word brand with like human brand, (laughs) you. And it's the same thing. And like I said, your identity changes and evolves. I'm not saying that what we def- decide in the next few months will be what we decide in three years, what the brand stands for. It will grow and evolve it will grow. like a child. And like, you know, I always reference that amazing Steve Jobs clip when he came back into Apple after being away and having the hiatus and Apple went downhill, didn't it? I think for a while when he was gone and they brought him back and he does that amazing speech was at the core of Apple, the core beliefs of the people that we stand for, the creatives. Like, and you could see how he realigned the brand with its true, like the vision. And like that for me, is just like branding 101, but it doesn't just stop at his speech. It goes through all the marketing. They don't talk about other people's products. They yeah. talk about what they can do and what you can do with their they products. They don't talk about price. Those are all rules they they've written. They talk about features. They're, they're all rules, aren't they? They're yeah. all things that have come from the, brown, the ground up from an identity point of view. And, and, that, and we face that. If I'm being really honest, we really hit that head on last week and I'm really happy we, we did that because I think for me, I was having a bit of friction with where we got to with the brand because I was like... I was, st- I was obviously d- designing the website and getting a little bit lost. I was like, what the hell are we actually doing here? Because I knew we'd been doing this whole mission thing over here. And then all of a sudden I found myself in this space where we're like designing a website. And obviously we're the mode that we're in up until, well, before that week was, you know, what are our suppliers? How much are we get in stock for? Like what are the commission deals? And, and we've said this before, like brand over business. We were in the business trench like the last few weeks. And I was starting to disidentify is that the word misidentify disidentify with with the brand that we were creating and i was looking at our screen going shit we need to we need to tackle this head on because i need to reconnect with it because this doesn't feel like and this comes down to our purpose and our value again and we harp on about it but it was it was conflicting and i'm glad we nailed it last week because i've come into this week thinking I know who we are. I know how the site needs to look. I know what our graphics need to look like, what our posters are going to look like. We're talking about packaging. So we're just, we're just back in that now. Yeah, it's kind of weird how naturally the timeline is, 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 is moving us in those directions where we're doing that. So when we're building the product pages, because we're having those conversations with the suppliers, but when we're having to build those pages where it's like our story, what we, suddenly we're having to think about the brand. So the timeline is naturally like causing us to have these, you know, make these and it's decisions. And e- it's not easier. Dude, this this it's, bit's hard. It's hard this bit's harder than doing the business. Like, no, no fact. The reason why a lot of people don't put this much energy into the branding, identity, DNA, because it's a lot you harder. You have to ask a lot of hard you questions have, to yourself. It's, a lot, it's like when we talk about this from a personal point of view, like when you lose your identity of figuring out, like trying to figure out those things could take years. Uh, but, you know, there is a fine balance between, and we've always said this, brand before business or business before brand, like it's hard. Like, but, and the reason why it's hard, because if you invest in brand, you might not see the return straight away. You might see in three years, five years, but you've got to do it. 
And we've seen so many people make the mistakes of not investing in brand and just trying to do business, which you could. This is an econ business. We could just set up a very simple web store, drive loads of traffic, but that's Based not- Based on price, but it's not gonna work that's, long term. That's not what we wanted to achieve. And like I said, there's gonna be a balance between, yes, you're gonna save money on our site, but you know, ultimately want people to have a great experience with the brand from day one to whenever they finish shopping with us or experiencing tech with us or the creativity they get from buying products for us. And it's a hard narrative because we've got essentially go to investors and say, okay, well, we're not, we're not going to be uh, competing on cost. How do you differentiate yourselves? How are you going to win in a marketplace where everybody's flooding the market with phones and doing offers on phones? And we, get, we have to be really honest and say, that's not going to be the game we're in. Like the investors or whatever money we need on board needs to be for the long-term brand. We need to build brand long-term, long-term, long game, and not have to worry about winning in the short term. So if we win in the short term, we'll take our eyes off the prize long-term and ultimately we will not be as successful. Do you think though that having a real, like having made the progress that's been made with regards to brand DNA and identity, it's probably a little bit of a, we don't really know who our customers are, that that maybe... I think we'll know who we think will connect with the brand as then we start to understand as you, as you see... There's only one way to learn that, yeah? is to go out and meet people. And test it. And test it. But like we've got our brand archetypes, so we know the types yeah. of... Like, for me, I know the types of customers that are going to buy from us. I don't know how old they are. I don't know the demographics. And really, if we're being you know, if we're generally speaking, it's going to be broad. It's going to be all ages, but it's going to be the type of person that feels like they, you know, might want to save the planet or help or do something a bit good. And those are the people we want because that's our brand archetype, you know? Because it is one of the challenges we're going to have, isn't it? Is when we go into the campaign where we're going to have to start shifting them, uh, leveraging that brand and actually running ads and doing all of that. Because we're going to be so broad, we're probably going to have to make a lot of quick decisions in a very short amount of time. But I guess yeah, we when do we have delve the boundaries in, that when we, we can sit within, but that's going to have to yeah be somewhere that we it's, ride the wave with ourselves. If I'm completely honest, we don't have a hundred percent understanding because we've not launched this brand. Like you know, it's the same with any brand. When you first open your shop doors, you don't know exactly who's going to walk in. But generally, within the first few months, you'll start to see a pattern of people that are coming back, whether it's conscious consumers, whether it's people who want to deal, whether it's students. Where I don't know. But we're going to have to be a bit broad in our targeting. And that's going to be part of the excitement of seeing what works and what doesn't work. The beautiful thing about social is we can run a different campaign against every single one of them. Yeah. And this is something that we've learned from when we were working in an agency and doing marketing. Brands, most brands today, businesses, think that they can create one ad that appeals to everybody. Like, I'm looking at this going, shit, we're going to have to create 100 different ad variants. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I need to talk to boys in Scotland in a completely different way than I'm talking to people in Manchester or a mum in London or a mum in Surrey or a dad in Surrey. Like, yeah. we're going to have to seriously think about, if we want to make this work, I'm not saying that ads are going to be the way that we, we win in this, but if we are doing advertising... That's how we're going to have to approach it. And we're going to have to do it at scale. And there's a different end of that, which is when you look at the Big Hack documentary, the amount of content being produced and placed the to the persuadables. Yeah, like, yeah. The Big Hack. If, like, that gives you a real good understanding of just how much needs to be done to try yeah. and shift things. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. To shift and a needle on a brand is really... Is that really was, it was really interesting how they picked out that data as well. They yeah. just found those people and they were just like, cool, let's target those. They knew exactly what characteristics they were. It wasn't whether they were a boy, girl, young or old. They just had signals. They were like, this person 
post this kind of stuff, which means their political view may be this. They're persuadable. Let's get them. Yeah. And Boy, almost, does it work. And also, actually, it does back to the analogy of the baby analogy. Mm. Yeah. Which is, there is going to come a point where you're going to have to allow the brand to almost take its own steps on itself yeah. and grow Take it to kindergarten way. and then it has yeah. different friends. <laughs> but, I mean, I always draw back to that idea of there's always going to be boundaries in place and it's going to naturally take its own course, right? So, it's also, there is a case of building it and then yeah. having to just let like it... Like I said, someone that wants to buy the brand new piece of tech every time a lineup at Apple is not going to be the right customer for us. But that you're, you're creating boundaries by the product you're creating. Do you know what I mean? So, already, your, your value system is going to be aligned with people who maybe want an iPhone 8 or 7 because they don't mind, they don't need the extra three or four iterations of an iPhone. They just want a phone that's going to work at a good price. Uh, and, and they can sit there and go, well, this phone would have just sat in a warehouse somewhere or gone to a tip. So I'm cool with that. But um, it is going to be interesting. And like I said, we're going to be working with some of our partners from, uh, from the kind of phone and the recycling and the refurbishment areas. To f they've got more data than us. And this does come down to, you know, finding out your audience and the data as part yeah, of it. Yeah, you know what? And it also comes down to this thing recently, which I know that we briefly were talking about earlier, which is there does come a point where your brand actually, people are so invested in the brand that any sort of changes you make or do to it creates a lot of uproar to a degree. So Snapchat. Yeah, exactly, right? They made their logo ever so slightly bolder and everybody freaked out on the internet. I was, I was doing this thing the other day. I was actually writing about like, why humans like fear change. It was just something I was pursuing. It was quite interesting. Haven't got the answer, if I'm honest, but it's really weird. But Snapchat made their icon just a little bit bolder and had everyone up in arms. Like, why? Because of change. It's so simple. It wasn't even that big a difference. Well, it even happened with logos. You look at the Slack one. You look at the Instagram one. Do you remember when Instagram, oh, changed, when Instagram their logo? changed their logo? Yeah, God. Happens all the time. Do you remember when Gap changed theirs and it didn't? They changed it back. Oh, is that what they did? They reverted back. Yeah, it was really awful. It had that weird shape in it. How much or of a change even was it? Even better, because we can go into football here, which is uh, a passion point for everyone. Leeds. What is Leeds oh, United? Yeah, of course. Did they? You not yeah. see that logo? And they it basically just the, the internet really? ripped it apart and they just changed it back. Yeah, I and then they were like, "Haha, it was a joke." It shows the power of the consumer, doesn't it? They used it a stock. The they used a stock logo and just put Leeds on it. Oh no! And it was like some guy like beating his chest, like an illustration. Yeah, it was horrendous. Oh wow! Absolutely horrendous. Yeah, I remember the uproar around that. And but as it, a Derby you know, fan, it was nothing more pleasurable <laughs> than to see Leeds. Suffer. I bet. But it just goes back to that thing of. Um, building that brand identity from from the very start and setting the boundaries. I keep fucking saying the boundary, but that in my head is best. But actually being really clear on where the lies, where the lines lay is so crucial from the start, right? Absolutely. We're talking about football. Let's talk about Derby, Matt, for a second. Derby had a, the biggest signing, I think, of the, the recent time. Wayne Rooney, Wazza, the warrior. Uh, the brand, the brand of Wayne Rooney, which sometimes has been tarnished, let's be honest. He's not the David Beckham of the world. Even He's had some ups and downs, he, only old well, Wayne. So, so is Beckham. Beckham somehow bounced back a little bit better. But Wayne, being away in the States for a couple of years, he decides to come home and sign for Derby, play a coach. Number 32, which is an interesting concept from a branding point of view. Let's quickly chat it's about funny, that. It's funny, I'm pretty sure that day I was the first person to Do you know what? I was literally just about to say, I remember you saying, number 32. Well, as soon as it came I up, I went, uh, yeah, and I remember you saying Mel that, Morris, you beautiful person, because you have nailed this. Basically a brand partnership. So just quickly talk about what that was and what happened. So basically, 
Rooney signed for Derby. So Derby of all clubs, which is the greatest club on earth for those <laughs> of you that are not aware. Championship, love it. Um, so yeah, we signed Wayne Rooney. Obviously, the first thought is how the hell can you afford that? Like Wayne's rages are like 90k a week. First two school of thoughts was he's doing uh, academy training with us. So some of that could be funded from a financial fair play point of view through the academy because it's kind of off the books, not footballing matters. Didn't add up too much. But then number 32 is the jersey. And we're sponsored by 32 Red, which is a gambling company. Not the most ethical of companies, I must admit, but that's a whole another issue within football. We can probably touch on that now. Um, yeah, and essentially uh, 32 Red kind of co announced the the uh, the signing of Wayne, which kind of came out of nowhere, and also their sponsorship with Derby, which is another master stroke from the man that is Mel Morris. He's renegotiated the deal with them to the most lucrative sponsorship that I think we've ever had, certainly, I think, within most of the league. But interestingly enough, 32 Red sponsor, like, eight of the championship clubs. Yeah, so like loads of them. So you can, especially Leeds. So you can see that all the other clubs are like, fans of the other clubs are going, oh, there's no way that, you know, they're funding Derby. Like there are sponsors. So there's the whole thing. And then there's like the moral stuff. I think Wayne's had gambling issues in the past. So I don't think that was necessarily the the right thing to do. But my take on it was it's a number. It doesn't matter. Like people aren't going to start gambling just because he's number 32. I mean, people are going to gamble because the fucking football league sponsored by Skybet or because every team has it on their, not because Wayne signed. So I think there's a little bit of a conjuncture in there somewhere. Do, do you think that the deal for Wayne as a brand from a Derby fan stands like is a good alignment? What do I mean, you for think? us, yes. Yeah, I mean, look, you can say what you want about Wayne. He's a fantastic footballer. And I think from Mel's point of view and the point of view of Derby fans, and this is essentially why I think he's a better chairman than any other chairman is he's seeing these commercial opportunities and going, and I, I read this out to you the other day from his LinkedIn. I was like, Mel's mission statement on his LinkedIn around his activities with Derby Football Club is to make us the best sustainable club in the Premier League, bringing through youth. He's got a really clear vision of, of what he wants and he's going to do that. For the brand. Which for is the brand of Derby. And he is doing everything he can to build the brand of Derby. And that's everything from negotiating his own, uh, our own TV rights to be able to have our own website with licensing our own content, right through to some of the initiatives he does in the community, which uh, Red32 fund, like the, the trust community stuff. He's just building the profile of the brand globally. And if I'm looking at Mel, he brought in Frank Lampard last season. We were in the, we were in the news every day. He was raising the profile of Derby. It's kind of, it's kind of building its own identity, isn't it? Yeah, like, yeah. That's essentially what you guys are doing. Now we're known as the club Frank. that can attract exactly. serious, serious players. And I think from Mel's point of view, if you're looking at doing commercial deals across the globe, you need those people in, in, in your team to be able to elevate it. I mean, if I'm being honest, I'm surprised it's taken this long to do a deal like that in the championship, given the... Isn't it? How many years ago did uh, Pogba sign for United and, they were, and, you know, and it was all Adidas? Yeah. Like, it's been coming, so I'm just surprised it's taken Absolutely. this long to even And look, it. at the end of the day, you know, that, that Wayne deal is probably like 5 million, whatever, and... For most championship clubs, looking at that, especially Derby, who have uh, we've got close to financial fair play, are going, how the hell can they afford it? And I just think 
it's a testament to how great the club's being run because they're able to use these things. And just like we would use brands as leverage to, to fund events or do things, you know, Mel's done the same with uh, Red 32. I, and I also think Red 32 have been clever. <laughs> if I'm completely honest. It's genius. The, this, this geni the amount of PR pickup they've genius got. It's genius from them. Like where they got away with it, whether it's gambling, forget it all. All these other clubs have Yokohama tires, all these sponsors. You think any of them are going to have like a number? They're so clever. clever. They've just, they've just got it. Like and, and like I said they're sponsoring eight eight teams already, so that that they, they're already winning the hearts and minds of the leagues. But ultimately, they're back in Derby to be the, the, a Premier League team. There must be. That's the only reason you can see they're going to put yeah, that yeah. money and investment in the team. And, and by having Wayne in the squad, your your shirt's going to get some serious airtime. Yeah. Well, I've seen people wearing the thirty two Rooney shirts already from Derby. Mate, it's in, it's insane. So, it yeah. is a land grab, isn't but it? But front and back, yeah. It's a land grab in sport at the moment. And James Kirkin talked about it when we had him in on the podcast. Like. Uh, Brands and sport and culture just seems to be this 100%. beautiful, lovely triangle that works. And you know, you date it all the way back to when Jordan did his thing with Nike, and like it, it dates all the way back. It's always been this beautiful thing, and uh, it's it's just taking time for it to come over. Oh, I, I wouldn't say it's taking time to come over to the UK, but certainly to start. Uh, for it to bleed into lower leagues. Yeah. I'm just Look, surprised. I think it it's tricky. Changed. I think the gambling thing is a serious issue that needs to be tackled, but I don't think what's just happened with Derby can be packaged into the wider issue of gambling, which is surrounding all the football clubs, all of the adverts you see around it. I know there's some new legislations coming in, but betting industry in its own is just one hell of a crazy world to even navigate. So, you know, I think while there's moral issues, I think it's clever more than it is immoral that's yeah. my stance so well to done, wrap um, what was the archetypes thing you were talking about like has it got a name for if you it? just look up brand archetypes they literally there's lots of articles on it lots of work work throughs that you guys anyone out there can do um, and I think definitely just spending some time on that and it's going to be hard work spending some time on it and look it's, it's an evolving project uh, like projects so like do version one yeah. have a think about it Ask other people who are your friends and people around you and your team to be involved because I do think it's one of those ones where like it's much better that the people around you also understand from the bottom up kind of like what they're there for. And like I said, going even into HR and human resource and the people that come into their team, this is really important for them. Everyone has to try to as Make much as you can. Book. Make a brand book. So many brands just don't have a brand book and it's crazy. Yeah. And some people actually even think, oh, our brand doesn't need a brand book because we're just a software service or we're just a bit of tech but actually mm. every brand is a brand and you need yeah. a brand book and what we'll do as well like we did with the actual deck once we get our kind of brand book or whatever you play book or culture book we'll, give it away we'll give away a template which you guys can follow as we develop it and like sure. i said that's uh that's going to be something that i think is second or really high on the list even before we go into the, the market of the brand getting the understanding of what the brand is before you do your market and who you might want to connect with yeah and that almost needs to like for us that needs to happen pretty soon doesn't yeah. it oh, it's happening now yeah whip work in progress let's cool. wrap it up boys there's stuff to do things to dive into see you next Mitch week needs to take his coat off <laughs>Yes, people, thanks for blessing us with your ears. Tell us what you think. Keep us in the loop. We'd love to get your stories, questions, and any topics you want us to discuss. Make sure you hit us up and leave a review on the podcast, and we'll see you next week.
Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase.